Here we go, folks. We're back with Inside Middle Tennessee on another. <laughs> you know one thing about Friday? You just don't know what the weather's going to be. That's right. It's a surprise. <laughs> you know, you can't, you know, it's just always strange. we got a house full of guests. It's one thing about Mule Day. You can always tell when Mule Day comes around because all of a sudden we got people in the studio. They want to promote something, but uh, let me let me go around and introduce what what players are going to be here today. I'm Jim Ross. I'm kind of the head zookeeper. We got uh, Terry Wilcox on the board. Thank God. Representative hey. Scott Scott Sapicki is outside, and we got Miss Sheila Hickman and Sarah Elizabeth is uh, she is. Um, uh, lost to us for yeah. another week as yes. she writes grants or has to has some official duty that she <laughs> has to fulfill. Like I said, it's hard to believe that Mule Day is going to be in, in a couple of weeks, and there are several events. One of our guests that we have in here with us is Mr. Whit Barr, and he's going to talk a little bit of something uh, about an event that we have every year. Mm-hmm. And Whit, what do you got? Well, it's funny that you were talking about, you know, you never know whether you're going to get on Friday. This That's is the true. exact same weather we had last year when I came to make the same announcement. <laughs> Cold and dreary. Your memory's better than mine. Oh, not much. Not much. But, yeah, so we've got uh, – it's that time of year again for Bloodies and Biscuits at the Polk Home. Um, this is, you know, obviously one of our big fundraisers every year. And, and so uh, it's, it takes a lot of effort. And uh, so we've, we've kind of put a lot of man hours in on it this year, and as we did last year. And the – so uh, we're excited to get that rolled out, uh, and that's going to be, you know, that Saturday morning of April the 1st, and we're going from 9 to 11. Um, so the tickets, uh, you can get them through the Polk Home on our website. Uh, it'll direct you uh, to an Eventbrite page where you can buy those. You can come to the uh, the gift shop at the Polk Home and get those tickets there. Um, you know, so it's... We're, I don't know if we're going to sell as many as we did last year or not. Uh, we we kind of packed the garden out last time. Well, you'll you'll do it. So it, you know, if the weather's nice, you'll really do it. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah let's hope. It's, you know, you never know. Uh, you know, it's a good. It's a. It's probably the best way to spend the Saturday morning on Mule Day. I say that. Uh, but I'm sure somebody would would argue about. That. Well, tell everybody what you get. So. Well, so you know, we've got a, a few different tickets that we're selling. Uh, so we've got uh, you know the twenty. One and up uh, tickets that are twenty five bucks, and that's uh, at that point. You know, we've got access to uh, you know mimosas, bloody marys. Um, we're get up. You know, the ham biscuits that are traditionally served will be there. We'll have plain biscuits. There'll be non alcoholic items for children, and you know those that don't want to partake. So um, it'll be just kind of same as usual, but uh, uh, we'll have a good band playing, and uh, hopefully we'll keep that uh, tradition going to having. You know, great bloodies and biscuits turnout. Yeah, so so it's going to be in in the back in the in the garden of the Polk Home itself. Yeah. Yes, sir. And what what are the times again? It's going to be going from nine until eleven. So all you, right, you'll just about miss all the parade. <laughs> <laughs> I think the parade but starts at I, eleven, doesn't I, it? I don't think the people coming to this are watching the parade. I, <laughs> <laughs> I thought the parade started at eleven. Well, oh that's really? What they say. Yeah. Well, there. I'm not sure it does. Yeah. I think it'll keep going past that, but we'll just have to see. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> always a lot of fun every year. Proceeds mm-hmm. benefit. Uh, they're they're gonna benefit the Polk Home. Uh, the Polk Home is is constantly uh, looking for this type of funding. You know, uh, we've got a staff that is very very diligent about getting grants. Um, you know, and so Rachel's 
at the Polkum right now has done a, a really good job of doing that. And so we're trying to, to supplement that. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I think they're getting about 36000 from the state a year. Um, so, there, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of you know, big margins in there that we got to cover. So we try to, to raise, you know, through the Polk Ball and Bloodies and Biscuits and the Dark Horse and all these different events that we host is, is trying to supplement that pay and, and, and to continue to be able to do those events that people love, you know, so much. And, uh, it, you know, it's, it's nice to have uh, a presidential home in Columbia um, yeah, this is it's yeah, unusual if you get right down to it. it. It gets more unusual when you go into the house. Uh, you know, we've got the only, as far as I'm aware, the only presidential portrait outside of the Smithsonian. Yeah, um, and that's, uh, there's no other town in the United States. Uh, it's just, there's, there's so many unique things that are so great about that house. Uh, it is a miracle that we have it in the shape that it's in. And then, you know, the collection that we have it, you know, we, we've just been pretty, pretty blessed at that site. You know, sometimes I think as a community, we probably take the poke home for granted. Very much so. You know, you know, we all grew up here. We all just go by it every day. We don't even think about it. Then until a tour bus comes by and <laughs> unloads oh, about a yeah. hundred people that can't wait to get into it. Well, and I think the sad part is that, you know, Polk's, you know, he and his wife are buried on the Capitol grounds. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's probably one of the more forgotten parts of that campus by Tennessee, specifically by Nashvilleians, but by Tennesseeans. Yeah, Yeah. it is. Um, well, I think there's still a movement to try to move that hopefully down here, but it kind of stalled out with COVID, but I believe it, Mm -hmm. I believe it's still out there. Well, fingers crossed we can get them back home. Yeah. We always have another event and my God, uh, we opened up the doors this morning and in pops through the double E's. Oh, my <laughs> Lord, back here again. Going to do the Mule Day Auction Contest. So, Eddie, Eddie Abels, Eddie Allred, thank you all for being here. It's fun to have you. Our pleasure. You know, our pleasure to be here, Jim. And so, in fact, you could even recreate your commercial if you want to, where, where, you, start, <laughs> where you start rumbling that tongue faster. Uh, than a machine gun. Oh, no, we appreciate uh, y'all having us on and, and letting us come up and talk about uh, the 2023 Mule Day Auctioneer Championship. You know, so tell us the details about it. All right, it will be March, Friday, March the 31st at the ten, uh, Tennessee Livestock Producers United Producers Sale Barn at 1231 Industrial Park Road. Uh, here in Columbia, Tennessee. Out there close to the jail is Eddie's second home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't tell a lot of people that. Um, we will we will have our, our rotary meeting at the sale barn that morning starting at 7 o'clock, and then the um, uh, championship will we'll follow that. We're also working with the Bridle and Saddle Club, Murray County Bridle and Saddle Club, uh, this will be the fourth or fifth year that we have done their ten knives for charities, the Mule Day knife number one through ten, designated each one designated to a different charity. We will be auctioning those off, and that auction will be at eleven o'clock at the sale barn, okay. and then it will be followed up by the Mule Day Auctioneer Championship. You know, so tell us the format of the championship and that kind of thing. Well, we've got a little over 30 auctioneers signed up currently, and uh, they will all normal, compete. Yeah, that's, that's we usually have between 25 and 30. Yeah. And uh, they will compete. Uh, they will sell three items in the preliminary round, and they will be judged by four judges. 
The top ten will come back for the final round, and they'll sell five different items, and uh, we'll pick winners out of that. The, the, uh, they'll be the fourth runner-up through the grand champion, and the grand champion will receive a belt buckle plus a monetary prize. The uh, reserve champion will receive a buckle and a monetary prize, and the three, the next three winners will just get, uh, they'll get money on that. So, cool. It's kind of ironic that we're we're here this morning because all of the money that we raise on this contest all goes to our scholarship program, mm-hmm. and we just left our Rotary meeting where we awarded scholarships to graduating seniors in Murray County this year. So that's pretty cool. Huh? Yeah. What, what's the amount of money? Do you we know? Give, or remember? Uh, what did we give? We ended up with a total of eight scholarships. Um, we do a rollover scholarship. So a, a, a senior, after they finish their freshman year, can reapply for another scholarship. So we gave a total of $8,000 back uh, to uh, scholarships uh, this that, year. That's real nice. And mm-hmm. since, since we've been doing this, we've awarded over $70,000. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. You know? You're going to make Sheila over here burst with pride. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, Sheila noticed I didn't say bust. I said but burst. You did well. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I did for once in my life. So y'all are also off tonight to another uh, auctioneering kind we, of thing. If you want to talk about that a little bit. We've been invited uh, by Mr. Perry to come down to the Cullioca, uh Unit School and uh, conduct their benefit auction for the Cullioca FFA which we've been doing for the last several years, and we always have fun. The community comes out, always comes out and supports Cullioca uh, Unit School, so we're looking forward to, uh, to going down and having a good time tonight. Cool. And let me say that we don't make any charge for what we're doing at benefits. We never charge for a benefit. We donate all of our time, our supplies, our whatever. Yeah. All the money goes back to that organization. The FFA will receive 100% of percent of the money tonight well so. now remind me in case i missed it earlier but the but the uh contest on, on mule day starting at friday right is he charged for it no 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 charge no charge to admission no charge for parking but we do charge if you buy something <laughs> <laughs> and we want you to come and bring your checkbook and there you go bid high and bid, bid often <laughs> And as Daryl Alshire says, we'd rather take your bid twice as miss you once. Yeah. <laughs> I love how all of a sudden y'all hit that conjunction there. there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I always love this question, and y'all always know the answer. How far away are some of these auctioneers coming from? Because it's a, it's a big-time contest, folks. It is, and we have had them come from Colorado, Oklahoma, Arizona, uh, Arizona. Uh, this year, I think the farthest one is probably coming from maybe Oklahoma. But we've got them coming in from five different states. Wow. Well, you know, which speaks to the prestige of the contest that you put on. Yes. Are there many that get put on in, in around here or anywhere close? <clears throat> Just about all your state uh, organizations uh, have a state championship. Um, we were fortunate. To, I feel like the champions – that we've had in the past have gone on to represent us very well. Uh, for instance, Chuck Bradley uh, from down in Montgomery, Alabama, was our 2019 Mule Day champion. He followed that up two months later 
by being named reserve world livestock auctioneer champion, came back two years later and in 2021 was named world livestock auctioneer champion, which to me is the granddaddy of all of them. That contest goes back to about 1961. I think a lot of people don't understand how big a deal that is. Where is it done? It it moves around uh, the Livestock Management Association, LMA, is the one that hosts that event, and they move it around to different uh, areas across the U.S. Uh, okay. When Chuck won it, the Dixon Stockyard over at Dixon, Tennessee, hosted uh, the, that hmm. uh, that event that year, and Chuck uh, was named uh, Grand Champion. I would think it would be hard to get it out of Oklahoma or Texas. Uh, it's It's been in Iowa. It's been in Knoxville. It's been in Dixon. Uh, Georgia this this year it will be down in southern Florida. Wow, be a long way to go, but that's so all right. Our champions have represented us very very well. We've had champions to go on and win the international auctioneer championships. Justin Oaks uh, did that, and Trey Morris uh, out of uh, Kentucky was a IAF uh, champion. So our champions have represented us very well, and they come back and support. Uh, the Mule Day Auctioneer Championship. That's so cool. we're fortunate. So sum it up again. Go go through the details. It's going to be Friday at what Friday, time? Friday, March 31st. The Rotary meeting will begin at 7 o'clock. You're welcome to come have breakfast with us. Uh, the championship, the, the auctioneers will register probably about 10 o'clock. We'll get them coming in get everything set up. And, and uh, we'll be ready to go by 11 o'clock. Cool. Cool. All right, folks, we got two minutes before we have to take a break. But as we usually do, we're going to put you on the spot, and we're going to have you auctioneer this nice, sweet little pen we got right here. So All right, I'm going to start, and I'm going to let Eddie take it home. And I want to tell Whit, he's going to have to join in. I'm going to join in. And, T. And Willie's going to join we'll, in. We'll, we'll sort of sell this like we do uh, uh uh, cattle or something like that on that nature but uh the auctioneer will get up and it'll start something like this able to write sir to get the swing and get aboard it's auction time and what are you gonna tell me on the ink pen hey fine daughter be a little woman if i'm not a bit less seven i am not a bit not ten 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 now twelve i am not a bit of fifteen daughter be enough fifteen daughter a little woman a fifteen daughter be off i'm a bit ten fifteen now twenty little bit of a woman twenty little five 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 hey fine daughter down at a woman if i'm not a bit in a daughter that a woman if i'm not a bit in a bring us on home maybe twenty five now thirty dollar bit of a little bit of thirty thirty will be 30 and will be 30 35 Chuck Bradley is coming back. He even contacted me and said, I want to come back and judge. So Chuck's coming. John Kessler, for the ones that's listening that uh, remembers raising tobacco and taking the tobacco to the sale barn, John Kessler, who was the 1987 World Tobacco Auctioneer Championship out of Kentucky, is coming. And then Mark Farah, the executive director of the Tennessee Walking Horse Celebration, is our third judge, and we're working on the fourth one. So uh, that's our judges, and uh, they've all got the background in the auction, and they will do a good job. And that's one thing we take pride in is our judges. 
Uh, we, yeah. we try to get good quality judges every year, and so far I think we've done that. And that helps to the credibility of our contest. Why do I not have an idea that Chuck Bradley is a character? He is one more. <laughs> and he can do the Leroy Van Dyke auctioneer song as well as anybody. There you go. Well, I tell you what, you bring him back here on this show, we'll put him on. Got He'll come. In, in, in a heartbeat. All right, folks, we got to take a break, pay a few bills, and i tell you what, just a few minutes, we'll be right back with Inside Middle Tennessee. Every morning, I park my car across the street from my business, and I can't wait to get in there. That's pretty common for small business owners. We have the added satisfaction, however, of guiding hundreds of families with their retirement, education, savings, and general investments. We're a locally owned business that tries very hard to simplify a complicated world. This is Monty Sneed from Caledonian Financial in Historic downtown columbia securities and investment advisory services offered through nbc securities incorporated member finra and sipc are you betting on the sec tournament in nashville today at action 24 7 use code march to get a 300 percent deposit match up to 20 dollars on your first deposit action 24 7 is tennessee's only locally owned and operated sports book download the app or visit action 247.com to start winning please bet responsibly this is jumping joe wiley and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM Columbia. Hi, I'm Robert Rogers at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. And I'm Michael Parks Lawrence at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. Together, we're Mr. Bobby Parks' grandsons, and we run his dealership, and we are glad to be part of our local community. Being family-owned and operated, we invest heavily in our community. We do things like sports teams, schools, bands, you name it. We try to help everybody we can. The reason why we do this is because we all love this community. So come do business with us, your neighbors, at Parks Motor Sales in Columbia, Tennessee, right off Nashville Highway, or at ParksMotorSales.com. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole barn. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. Hi, I'm Steve, the Garbage Man. Are you new to Murray County? We want to welcome you and your family. We are a local residential garbage service, and we want to be your garbage man. We've been around for over 30 years, so we have a reputation. Check us out at garbagemaninc.com or call Mike at 931-540-0919. You could also ask your neighbor. 931-540-0919. Hello, this is Rick Tillis with Tillis Jewelry in Columbia and Lewisburg, Tennessee. What are you looking for in a jeweler? Knowledgeable staff? Experienced goldsmiths? Or true custom designers? Experienced working with clients creating that perfect gift for a special loved one? Well, you have found them. Tillis Jewelry. Wear this and so much more. Check us out at TillisJewelry.com or on Facebook and Instagram to see our latest creations. Tillis Jewelry, Columbia and Lewisburg, Tennessee. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the drywall that somehow isn't. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. 
Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years' experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. This is Sarah Elizabeth, and you're listening to Inside Middle Tennessee on Front Porch Radio on 101.7 WKOM. And here we are, folks. We're back with Inside Middle Tennessee, and Sheila has got something historical. I'm going to let her figure it all out. I don't know if it's about the time change or something else that's going on. I don't know. I think Benjamin Franklin came up with that. If he were still here, I'd take issue with that. (laughs) I hope we're going to get a settlement here where uh, old people like me won't have to continually reset their bodily clocks. (laughs) Their circadian rhythm. Yes, it's not good for old people like me. All right, this is National Women's Month. March the 8th was National Women's Day. That's International Women's Day. That's right. And we, we are, there are so many interesting things that you can talk about the women in Murray County. But I'm going to talk about one of our eccentric women. I suppose all southern towns have eccentric people, but I've never lived in any other southern town. I went to school in Nashville. All right, so I Shady, you can't do any autobiographical things on here. All right, no, no <laughs> more. Anyway, i I don't know of any uh, I don't know of any other southern town that has the same quality of eccentric people sometimes as we do. But uh, one of the most interesting women who ever lived in Murray County was Miss Lizzie Porter. She lived to oh, be yeah. hundred and four. And she is was a legend in her own time. She lived up there on the corner of West Sixth and High Streets in a house which she painted this strange orange color because she said it reminded her of the California sunsets. And she was known for her uh, for living a, a life, a solitary life. And she also is remembered because she. Sometime before her demise at 104, she met with Mr. Lon McFarland, and she drew up a will. And I'll talk about that in a minute. There are other famous uh, characters in literature that resemble Miss Lizzie. One would be uh, Miss Emily Grierson that Faulkner wrote about it. Miss Emily killed her Yankee lover and kept him upstairs, and that's a whole another story. <laughs> Our Dickens, let's, let's keep this PG now. Our, yeah. <laughs> Dickens, Miss Havisham, who was jilted at the altar. Remember, she just stopped the clock and the whole thing. Now, as far as we know, Miss Lizzie didn't do anything like that, although there were two tombstones in her yard. Uh, I think they used them for stepping stones. She uh, was married three times. We, the first two we can find. The last one, we don't know. Her first husband was a Mr. Woodcoff, and he was from a wealthy family in Jackson County. And they married in 80, 1883. She was 22, and he was 48. And they divorced in 1890. At 36, she married William Henry Watson, who was 52 and owned a livery stable. And they divorced in 1910. And there was another one, but we've never been able to track it down. 
and the well, t- now how do you know there was another one if you can't track it down? Well, that's what you know. Those people, they yeah, oh yeah, you okay. Know those people, they that's what they say. Yeah, I, even Jill Garrett didn't track it down. Should I refer them to Bob Duncan's book? I guess you well, weren't I, there and you don't know. That's right. <laughs> Their tale was that at one after one of her ceremonies, she rode off horseback on a white side saddle. And sure enough, when they went through that old house, they found Picture. a white side saddle. Uh-huh. So she was a person of means and owned a farm at one time, but gave up farming. And uh, she was able to become, as I said, a legend in her time. Most of us can remember passing her house. It was all grown up. She had chickens in the yard. She'd sit on the front porch. Mm-hmm. And she was known to shoot at people are things. <laughs> and at one time, that big white house across the street there was Dr. George Williamson's house. And one time she shot through that house and narrowly missed Dr. George's bed. So she, and eventually they gave her, Mr. Poke White, who was the fire chief, eventually began to give her blanks because they really thought she was going to shoot somebody. <laughs> and she may well have. And she had these nice neighbors next door. But she came pretty close to doing it once. I don't know why they wouldn't think she wouldn't do it again. I know. They, well, they found lots of shell casings from when, when she left there. But the um, the idea that uh, she was going to hurt somebody was probably not far from the truth. But she had two little old ladies who lived next door. And she asked Bowser Frakes, who's another colorful Murray Countyan, to put up an electric fence between her and those two little old ladies who probably wouldn't have harmed a fly. So she really did have some strange notions. notions. Yes, she did. She, her groceries were delivered by Oscar Hardison, and Oscar Hardison's grocery was down here. Um, Off Beckett Street. Beckett Street, that's it. And she would order figs. Fried pies, potato chips, and ice cream. Uh, that was, the original junk food junkie. Yes, but she lived to be 104. I don't know exactly what well, that Well, she said. didn't eat it. She lived to be 120. Yeah. <laughs> and she also liked beer. And I've heard this many <laughs> times. And I don't, I don't know the whole story. But she would go to town and drink beer and probably have too much and just totter on home. I think that may have a little something to do with the gunfire. Maybe. <laughs> All the marriages. Yeah, all the marriages, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the tombstones. And she did, I did say 500 cartridges were, were, fine, were found in that house. But her good part, the good part that we are thankful for her doing is that she left her money and her property to Murray Countyans. She Earlier in the year she died, she died in, in 1965 in October, and she met with Mr. MacFarlane, who held down the Middle Tennessee Bank for many years, to write her will because she said she was getting on in years. And one half of her estate went to the Murray County Library. And I will say that we probably would never have had a library if Miss Lizzie hadn't been generous. Yeah. That paid for back, back we got about $35,000, and that paid for about one-third of our library. All right. And and uh, I won't get off on the library. That's another thing I've got strong <laughs> feelings about. She also left money to your church. She was a Presbyterian. Mm-hmm. She left money to the first Staunch. Presbyterian. Staunch. Yes. Yeah. 
she brought left <laughs> money to the mental health clinic, to the King's Daughters, and to the Murray County Hospital. And she also established a scholarship at Columbia State. Oh, <laughs> she imagined her lifespan. She lived. She was a little girl. She lived through when the Civil War raged. She witnessed slavery. She saw the Civil Rights Movement. She saw destruction caused by guns and by atomic bombs. She rode on horseback, in carriages, and in cars, and she could have ridden in a jet. How many changes she saw in this old world during her tenure here. One time she wrote, and she was kind of poetic, and she was very well read. If you read her notes, she read widely in world literature. She said, I pray for everyone every day. I love trees, flowers, stars, and clouds with warm, clinging affection, <clears throat> as I love you, my own people. The solace and amusement people get out of society, I derive from the solitudes of nature. To me, woods and fields are indeed vocal, every flitting bird and gurgling brook, every passing cloud and whispering breeze bring messages of God's eternal love. For all the strange things that we think about Miss Lizzie. She was a lover of her fellow man and she left this world a better place than she found it. And once again we get back to that old thing that will be repeated this month. Well behaved women rarely make history. <laughs> you know, or and well behaved men too. <laughs> you know, along that line, I tell you what, T. Willie, we've got a uh, very special guest with us this morning. We need to commit a little bit of time to Scott and his guest. And I tell you what, we'll take our final break, and then we'll be right back with Inside Middle Tennessee. People often ask about the initials after mine and Monty's names. Those initials are CFP, Certified Financial Planner. As a CFP, we will do our best to help you in the attainment of your financial goals while protecting those assets with proper insurance coverage. We encourage the team approach of holistic financial planning by working alongside your CPA and attorney. This is Gay Pike with Caledonian Financial in historic downtown Columbia. Let's make a plan. Securities and investment advisory services offered through NBC Securities Incorporated. Member FINRA and SIPC. Here we go. At Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat, you can always count on us for a great selection of late model, low mileage, one owner vehicles. All have been thoroughly inspected and are ready to go. You can even save time and buy online with our online shopping tool. Looking to sell your vehicle? Great news! We're paying top dollar for your trade. All makes, all models, and in any condition. Trade in and trade up today. At Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat, you can count on us. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. 
The Jewelers Bench. Still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at tenpin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. This is Elk Kennedy. The old saying is, happy wife, happy life couldn't be more true. Many years ago, my wife, Mary Susan, had major surgery on her back but continued with chronic pain. Doctors were saying invalid, disabled. But then she found the Dr. Gill Center for Back, Neck, and Chronic Pain in Franklin, Tennessee. It has changed our lives. We visited there recently with Dr. Wendy Tui, saw the state-of-the-art facilities. Folks, don't take a pill. Call Dr. Gill. Go to callmepainfree.com. You're listening to the best in news, talk, sports, and music on WKOM 101.7 FM in Columbia, Tennessee. This is Jim Ross, and you are listening to Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7, located in Columbia, Tennessee. And here we go, folks. We're back with Inside Middle Tennessee. And Scott is here. He has a special guest. And, you know, they like to discuss state business. And, of course, there's really not much going on up there in Nashville right now. <laughs> not much. It's there at all, Scott. So, tell you what, I'm going to hand it over to you, and off we go. Well, um, I'm tired of talking this week. <laughs> I didn't tired. know politicians ever got tired, tired of talking. talking. But, uh, um, so, you brought in a little help? I did. I brought in uh, Senator Joey Hensley. Joey Hensley is our state senator for the last eight years, right? Ten years. Ten years. Ten I'm years. sorry. Ten years. I thought ten it was 30. But still. <laughs> Only hey, been ten. It feels like it sometimes. <laughs> but uh, uh, I asked Senator Hensley to come in and give people a perspective about what's going on in the Senate because most of the time you hear what's going on in the House. And the way I equate the House to people is if you remember the movie Animal House with John Belushi and everybody. <laughs> the house is like that, right? Chaos, things, accusations being levied against each other, and <laughs> anger, right? And then there's another movie called Trading Places with Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy. Mm-hmm. And there's two mm. older gentlemen, distinguished, sitting there drinking their cognac and smoking their cigars. In a library. In a library, very quiet and hushed. Big chairs. That would be your Senate. <laughs> right and so Senator Hensley left Animal House, and now he's in... The Senate. Sheila, do you believe all that? (laughs) I expect it does get interesting up there. I can imagine people's tempers flaring from time to time. It's it's reaching a a fevered pitch in the House right now where you're probably going to see somebody blow up. Because of the time. Well, just because of of the, um, the positions people are taking and the accusations that are being levied on people that they don't even know. Just political talking points but beside that uh we asked uh, i asked uh, senator hensley to come in uh he is my uh on probably 99 percent of the legislation right. we carry together exactly. we've done since i've been up there well we're proud of y'all for and, doing and, that. Uh, you know you. people talk about the bills that i've carried i'm like don't forget senator hensley carried him in the senate so joe uh, senator hensley well, take, take over well, you tell him about the senate well thank you scott it's good to be here with you and it's certainly an honor to represent murray county and work with you in the legislature and like you say, the House and the Senate are 
deal with the same issues, sometimes look at them a little differently. The Senate doesn't have as many committees as the House does. so I take it that's a good thing. <laughs> that's a good thing usually. If your bill passes, it's a good thing. <laughs> so, if your bill passes one committee in the Senate, then it's generally on the floor within a few days. In the House, the same bill would have to go through some subcommittee, a subcommittee and regular committees and then calendar and rules. So it takes a little longer for bills to get to the floor in the House. But like Scott said, he and I sponsor a lot of the same legislation, and we are concerned about most of the same issues. Certainly education is high on both of our radars, and we work on that. We both serve on education committees in the Senate and the House, and I also serve on the Health Committee and the Finance Committee and uh, serve as chairman of our, our Revenue Subcommittee, which... All the tax bills go through there, so so we are looking at some some pretty significant tax legislation this year, which is is a good thing because we're looking to cut a lot of taxes, especially the business taxes, the F and E taxes that businesses pay. We're looking to cut those, especially for small businesses. Some of their taxes will be completely cut out because we're increasing of the threshold where people have to pay tax on their own certain amount of income we're also looking at another sales tax holiday for for groceries for for three months this year so that'll probably be august september and october where people will be able to buy groceries tax-free so we are looking at a lot of issues the same issues we have and they are dealt with differently sometimes we are Scott and I uh, both sponsor legislation trying to help Murray County. We're looking at making the Duck River a scenic river and and uh, trying to pass that in the House and the Senate because the Duck River needs to be protected, and uh, uh, that's where our water source comes from. And so we're looking at that. Also, other issues that, uh, that the governor has proposed uh, – uh, a big issue the governor's proposed is is a change in in transportation, and he's proposing choice lanes, uh, sort of like toll roads, but these would be a separate lane that people would have a choice whether to pay for that lane and supposedly travel faster, or would have the option for a free lane like we have now. But looking to be able to put more money into other highway. Uh, uh, projects and do a, a public-private partnership to build the choice lanes, which would be new for Tennessee, the public-private partnership. So the governor is proposing that legislation. That's moving through the through the Senate and the House. And, uh, and the governor proposes legislation. He proposes uh, his budget, and then we have to look at it. We are looking at the different budgets. Every department has to bring their budget to respective uh, committees in the House and the Senate, so we're actively looking at those and and making sure that the departments are spending money wisely. We do have about a $9 billion surplus this year, so Tennessee is very, very fortunate, and well, we have a very fiscally responsible state. We have businesses that are coming here, and so we are attracting business because this is a low-tax state a very tax-friendly, we're a business-friendly state. So we are attracting businesses, and that keeps everybody else's taxes 
low and we are able to attract uh, those businesses and and Murray County certainly seeing that growth uh, uh, over the last few years and we're trying to deal with that that's another issue we're trying to deal with at the state level is how we help uh, Murray County deal with the growth so we're working on those issues but many things that that are going on and, and now it's really gearing up last week and this week I think I have about 40 bills on the calendars next week. Oh, so. is that all? Yeah, that's all. <laughs> what, what's, the, what's the total number of bills on the calendar? Is there a cutoff number? Uh, there were 1,700 and something filed. Right. Right. Okay. Not all, the, not all of those will see the light of day right. in the committee. Yeah. Uh, we probably, I don't know, probably 900 to 1,000 we'll look at. Yeah. Right. Uh, and some of those are just ideas that never get put on notice. Okay. And they just kind of sit there. But now we're into the point where the bills that we're going to have to consider are in the committees now. All right. So it, we're moving towards something. M- moving along, I think. <laughs> we're not sure what. We're moving towards something. The Judiciary Committee next week has about 300 bills, but, but there's two or three committees have most of the bills. Judiciary Committee in the Senate and then mm-hmm. Education Committee and then Commerce. Of course, finance here is with any bill that's got a, a financial cost to it. So most of the bills go through those committees. Actually, one committee closed this week, the Energy and, and Agriculture Committee in the Senate, which typically has fewer bills. It actually closed this week. So we're looking towards trying to close the session at the, the, the end of April, and they're starting to start to push for different committees to close. And once a, a committee closes, then if you have a bill that was supposed to go through that committee, you're just out of luck for the year. So it's very important to get the bills on notice, we call it, in the committee so it'll be heard. And But, but a lot of the bills that are filed don't make it very far. So, But we'll probably vote on 400 bills or so. Wow. And uh, so probably have about that. A lot of those are resolutions or things that are not not very significant. But, uh, but, but we vote on a lot of bills. Just yesterday the Senate voted to decrease the metro government's uh, size. Uh, size. Size, yeah, that's very interesting. So that was a very uh, interesting legislation. and uh, But we passed it and the governor signed it. So we'll see what happened. But it's going to cut the metro's uh, uh, council from 40 to 20 to make it. And I think it makes it more, uh, uh, a much more efficient. Uh, efficient, that's the word for it, efficient yes. council. The more people you have, it's, the more opinions you have to deal with. That's, that's the exactly house. right. Yes, yes, that's the house. But uh, <laughs> but it is is getting more interesting, and things are speeding up the next two or three weeks, and then we'll start slowing down and trying to finish the session, and usually finish about the end of April. But when we pass the budget, that's all that we really constitutionally have to do is pass a balanced budget. So all these other things. We do, of course, pass a lot of other bills, but we constitutionally have to pass a balanced budget. It'd be nice if the federal government had to do that. The the president just proposed his budget yesterday, which probably not going to go very far. But uh, in Tennessee, well, we try to we try to handle the budgets uh, very responsibly, spend money responsibly for the for the taxpayers and. So that we can can keep taxes low and keep attracting businesses, and make Tennessee a better place to live. <clears throat> and Senator <clears throat> Senator Hensley touched on it. 
the $9 billion surplus of recurring money, a lot of that reason it is there is because we don't spend all the money we take in. Well, that right. is wise. We, we, right. we always are, are, we always, I know it's shocker, but we always plan for the future. And, and what we encourage at the state level is the municipalities and the counties do the same thing. Yes. Don't, you don't have to spend all the money you take in every penny because it puts you in danger for recession. Hits. That's right. And so we are always planning, and uh, uh, David Lillard, our state treasurer, does a very good job mm-hmm. of reining in the governor and reining in the elected officials, right. saying, you know, okay, I know you want to spend some more money, but let's make sure we're safe here so we don't get in a, p- a position like we did with Governor Bredesen when we had the recession and he had to figure out how to find money. There's a bill going through the House and the Senate right now. What they did to be able to fund the government back then was they pulled some of the money uh, sharing in sales tax away from our counties and municipalities. Right. There's a bill going forward right now because of the shape we're in financially to go ahead and put that back to the number it used to be so our cities and municipalities can gain a little bit more tax revenue from the sales tax of the people of Tennessee. The reason why we have such a huge surplus, <clears throat> we have no state income tax. We have a very business-friendly environment. We are halfway from everywhere. Yeah. Our climate is wonderful. <laughs> And if you don't like it, give it 15 minutes. Our climate is variable at best. (laughs) And people want to be down here because of us, the people of Tennessee. We are so charming. We are. And so um, that is why so many people are moving here. And let me tell you something. They are spending money in Tennessee. And the more money they spend, the more sales tax forever we garner. And so the more projects we're able to do, like putting $3 billion in the budget this year, just to give the TDOT to start doing projects. Yes. we got a surplus. We're going to give it back to them, you know. Um, so that's, it, it is, now is the time when feelings start to get hurt. Ideas that aren't that great start to be put to bed. Uh, in the Senate, it's called summer study. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and ours is, our general subbed, and ours is summer study or no. And yeah, Scott, you've always talked about you've got to kill a bunch of bills that I aren't know. good to begin and, with. And, and no, in, in education, the one thing we look at, and, and the one thing we've really held the line over these last couple of years is when we get a bill that requires something to be done, right? Yes. We, we, we stop that, okay? You can't keep putting more on the, on the locals, the teachers. You just can't keep putting more into the system because more is not the solution. You're right. And so, and so we're very evident that we will allow you to urge uh, plead, say pretty please, <laughs> recommend. But, but we will recommend, but we will not allow you to put require in because we're trying to make sure we don't keep putting more and more in the classroom. Well, we've just required the poor old teachers plumb out of the business. Well, You're right. we're, we're working on that. The, yeah. the bill on the teacher salaries uh, has moved through the House subcommittee. Good. It'll be in the full committee next week. I'm sure the Senate will be taking it that moved, up. Moved. Through, through the Senate this week, the, so, through the uh, committee. Yeah. Probably in a couple of weeks, both those bills, because we have to go through finance because it's yeah. a fiscal note, but probably in about two or three weeks, those will be on the House floor. I'm sure if the governor is going to put it in his budget, that magical funding letter will show up from the governor <laughs> right. yeah, to somewhere. make sure it clears it clears finance. You, you want to tell people what that is going to do? Uh, what it does is over a three-year cycle, it takes the minimum salary, which is around thirty six, thirty seven thousand a year for a teacher. It'll bump it up by twenty five, twenty six. The starting pay will be fifty thousand dollars. I might go back and teach one we're, year. We're trying to lure <laughs> you <laughs> back. We're making it so retired teachers can come back. That's right. So, uh, I just want, you need to think about, about this. That. How about this? You could come back at your at your pay you left at. That's more than fifty thousand. 
Yeah, I don't know what it was. <laughs> it's a you lot know, more I'll tell you, that's such a good thing because it's not just Tennessee. Nation, no, it's nice. Nationwide yes. is a teacher shortage. There he is. And, folks, the way you solve it is you bump up the pay. You'll well, get them. You've got to follow fig- the money. You've got to figure out a way to make education. Now, let, let's, let's face it. It's a calling, right? Yes, it is. It's, it, it's you like... Have, a ministry. Right. It's a calling. It's 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 you gotta have that empathy level for the students and the caring and the love. But there is a financial component to it too. Oh and, yes. And if we can raise the pay enough that people that are going to college that now have to really start to reconsider with all due respect, do I wanna get a a, a home ec or a interior design degree? <laughs> or do I want to become a teacher? Yeah. Right? That's where we gotta to get to where they start making those decisions. And yeah. we're gonna get there. And this pay raise is going to help out a lot. I mean, you're talking almost a, a twelve to thirteen thousand dollar increase per year. It's about a thirty percent increase. It, it's mm-hmm. a huge increase, and, and it's but it's because it's long overdue. Oh and, yes, and we can we're do way this, behind. And we can do this because of the fiscal shape that when Senator Hensley's been up there <clears throat> has put us in this position. I'm just I, I'm just riding the the wave, right? <laughs> Senator Hensley, when he first started up there, they started the wave. And the wave yes. has continued to grow and grow and grow and grow. And I, I'm fortunate to get to sit on the wave and just ride it in. Well, I know that young people do not have the same notions about teaching as my generation did. No. And it's time that we somehow instill in these young people, especially when they're still in school, yes, in high school, and and have and have inspiring teachers who will say. This is a good life. You can make a good salary, and you should consider it. And you and I think our my generation was very altruistic. We wanted to make the world a better place. And there and, you go. And big and word. Somehow or another, all that bogged down somewhere. So right. if you could get the teacher's salary up there, which seems to be happening, Mm -hmm. and you could simplify the teaching process by removing these ten thousands of requirements that children have to know in the second Mm -hmm. grade, then (laughs) then it might turn around here. Well they're working on we are getting there. And we're a lot closer than we've been in the last as we are in class. I want to shift while we got the remaining time here. Um, so there's two bills that mainly affect Murray County. Uh, one is the Taxpayer Protection Act. Uh, Senator Hensley is working on an amendment to that. Yes, we're we, working on it. We will have, hopefully, that amendment filed by Monday. Right. And it'll uh, rewrite the whole bill. Uh, we are praying, praying up there that we have struck a compromise that will still allow um, Murray County to do the things that they need to do. <clears throat> uh, we are relying on, in the House, I'll be straightforward to you, we are relying on a lot of words of people and honors of people to, to honor what they say. Yeah. But there's a long way to go. The other bill that is very, very important to me is the Duck River Bill. Mm-hmm. We have got to protect that water source. Um, and somebody was up there yesterday, and they asked me, why is it so important to you? Okay, And I, I said, well, let me tell you. And I'm reading here. And um, this comes from Sue Stevenson. I'll give her the credit for it. The Duck River must be protected because the Duck River is the sole source of potable water for over 350,000 Tennesseans. Yes. And growing all the time. The counties within the Duck River watershed include Bedford, Coffee, Marshall, Murray, Southern Williamson, and Hickman counties. 
Additionally, Perry and Humphreys counties utilize the Duck River for scenic and recreational economic purposes, which is very big and important to them. Could you imagine trying to have recreation on the Duck River when it was polluted back in the day? Oh, it was terrible. Terrible. And also this, talk about economic. The Duck River serves as the backbone of the region's outdoor recreation economy, supporting an estimated 200,000 anglers, kayakers, canoers, and boaters each year. So we have a water issue for the sustainability of our of our way of life for our children's children, right? Absolutely. And we have an obligation to protect the, the greatest natural resource in the state of Tennessee is the Duck River. And for some reason, the windiness of the Duck River as it goes through Murray County is the epicenter of the most biodiverse part of the whole river. Yeah. We have to maintain that integrity. So here's what we're asking you. And Senator Hensley did a great job. He had to not argue too much in his committee. <laughs> I was fortunate. Because but... I, I think everybody realizes that the battle's in the House. It is, yes. The battle's in the House. And the company, um, and we will, the company made a lot of statements last week. And we will be there this week with testimony to unpack those. And we will get to the bottom of things. But here's the thing, folks. This committee meets at 9 a.m. on Wednesday. 9 a.m. on Wednesday in House Hearing Room 3. If your water is important to you, if the Duck River is important to you, if you want the, this committee to see how important it is to Southern Middle Tennessee, you have got to be there. Be polite. Be respectful to the members. Ask them to vote yes. Ask them to protect the duck. Ask them to protect the water. And then we will try to push this thing across the finish line because if we get it across this finish line, we are on our way to the House floor. Senator Hensley, will, our, the Senate will probably be holding it, waiting to see what the House does. But if we pass this committee on, on, on Wednesday, then we will be able to go to the House floor and, by God's grace, be able to peck, p- protect the Duck River. And, Scott, I just add that it certainly helped in the Senate. Um, all the members on the committee mm-hmm. got hundreds of emails from Murray yes. County people, and they were telling me the members were, let's get this bill passed because I, I, I'm tired of getting all these emails. <laughs> yes. It does and, and help. It works. Yeah, it works. It, it works, yes. But, but you've got to take a stand up there with us. You've got to help us. Um, the county commissioners came up. Mayor Butt will be there. I think the city of, of Columbia passed a resolution of support. We're not trying to restrict anybody's property rights. I say remind everybody exactly what it does. So what it does is it puts an overlay that when I was on the county commission, Debbie Turner and myself yes. led a charge to put the Duck River Protection Act in place that put a two-mile buffer from Class Two uh, landfills, right? Yes. It was the same language that the state has for a scenic waterway. Same language, okay? All we're asking is that that overlay be recognized by the state as we saw it important back in 2013 to protect the duck, that in 2023, the state of Tennessee, the Agriculture and National Natural Resources Committee, think about that, will support us in this endeavor to protect the Duck River.